Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Welcome back. This is Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. I'm your host, Chris Riley, and we're talking with Peter Taglianetti. I got traded in Minnesota. At the time, they were, you know, they were horrible. And um, Bobby, Bobby Clark was a GM. Bob Ganey was the coach. Uh, Doug Jarvis, Andy Murray, they, they were there. And you go down there, and you, they didn't want you to smile. They didn't want you to laugh. They didn't, you couldn't joke around. It was, it was miserable. It was horrible going to the rink every day. And plus, we're playing in front of 3,000 people. Nobody went to the games. Um, at the Met Center. At the Met Center, yeah. And um, so it was just horrible. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of how they ran their organization. Is, um, so I get they're going to trade me. So I, I go to morning skate. I go home. It's about noon. And I'm sitting down to eat. Cause we had, you know, whatever. And the phone rings and it's Bobby Clark and his, I'll tell you his exact words, Pete, Bobby Clark. We just traded to Pittsburgh. Craig Patrick's going to call you in a few minutes. Bye. Boom. They hung up the phone. That, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And I'm going like, what the, whatever. And then what phone the rings. Yeah, and phone rings. It was Craig. And like, Pete, what's going on? Oh my God. We were on the phone for like 25 minutes. talking. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, listen, you got to go. You got to get your flight. You got to play tonight here in Pittsburgh. So I'll talk to you when you get here. Bye. Boom. And it was just, a, it was so Larry Murphy and I scramble, get to the, get to the airport, get on a flight, get to Pittsburgh, walk in the door, Bob Johnson, they, Hey, go see Bob real quick. We walk in and Bob goes, Hey, can you uh, play the right side with Paul coffee? Yep. Okay. See you. Bye. And that was, hey, let's go. And <laughs> <laughs> so then I walk in the locker room. I grew up with Tommy Brass. So he was from the town over from me. You know, I grew up playing all the, all the all-star games with him. I knew Kevin Stevens. Uh, I knew Johnny Cullen from uh, whatever. And then Randy Gillen was, I played in Winnipeg with um, who else was there at the time. There was like seven or eight guys that I knew. And it was just like walking. Ah, it was like old home week. It was, it was great. Everybody's laughing, joking, blah, blah, blah. And I fit right in. Um, it was just a little different when you get on the ice, all of a sudden it's like Mario's out there. You're like, you know, he likes, he, you know, it's very hard to explain unless you're around him all the time, but like he, he didn't need, uh, uh, like you never get mad at you if you threw a bad pass to him because he would always get the bad pass. He would always knock it down. So <laughs> you, you, it, like a big weight off your chest because I got to make this perfect pass. Well, no, just get it near him. He's going to knock it down and go. He's fine. And playing with Paul Coffey was a little different because he, he, he was never where he was supposed to be type thing. And you really had to get used to that. Uh, once I got used to that, it was fine. And then, like you said, we had talent. Uh, Joy, Joy, I knew Joey Mullen. I knew, yep. I knew Brian Trotche at the time. He was there. Uh, I knew Brian for a few years before that. Um, and, and Wendell what kind Young, of a, what, what kind of, what kind of a guy was, was trots for that team? Great guy. Great guy. It's Mario. Mario was not a vocal guy. Mario was, he just, you know, Joey Mullen wasn't a vocal guy. Brian Trotche, he was a vocal guy, but he's more of a silly vocal guy. You know, he kind of made, he joked around and whatever, but he, but these guys performed on the ice and they didn't have to say anything because they knew when push came to shove, they were going to perform. But when they did say something, the whole room just like, and you listened. But then we had like myself where I was very vocal, just loud. You know, Kevin Stevens, really, really loud. Um, then all Sanderson got there later on in the year and uh, he was really loud. Um, so it was, it, it was, it was a guys who were very vocal that we really meant what we were saying, but well, you know, they probably didn't take us too seriously, but we said it anyway. And, but then we had the leaders who just was able to, you know, perform on the ice, say things when it needed to get said. And um, 
And then they made the trade for Ronnie and Elf and Grant Jennings, and it just kind of solidified everything that happened. And, and um, yeah, it was it was it was an amazing amount of talent we had. What was it like to play with Mario? I mean, I had, I had a roommate in college, Rob Cowie, who played with Gretzky, and, oh, yeah. and he and, and and Rob Cowie told me, you know, in practice you'd be just you're, you'd be dumbfounded with what he'd be able to do. You know, he would just say, "Go here, the puck's going to be there, and it would be there." You know, yeah. I mean, how did Mario see the game like Wayne? Um, you know, it's funny. And so people ask, well, I, mean, I don't want to, I, I'm trying not to compare the two, but if you, it, if you compare the two, Wayne was never going to beat you one-on-one, you know, Wayne was going to come just down his size, do, just do, his do, size. Yeah. Just do his stuff. Stop, you know, wait for people to show up. Great passer, you know, great shooter, that type thing. Mario can beat you one-on-one, beat you one-on-two. He can outskate anybody. He could outshoot anybody. He could fight. He could do. I mean, Mario. Mario was a total. I mean, he could do everything. Any, any anything he wanted to do. And a great story about him. Uh, we're we're playing in in a neutral zone. Like he would just put his stick down and never win a faceoff. And I said to him one day, I said, uh, I said, you don't even. Why don't you even? You don't even try. And then he goes, Why am I going to show him my moves? But in the defensive zone and the offensive zone, he won every single one. And he just, you know, I'll just, I'll do what I want, you know, whatever. And, and a lot of times he looked like he's going half speed, but boy, I'll tell you, his half speed was faster than everybody's full speed. <laughs> full speed and, yeah. And, and I don't know if you remember that thing where uh, he beat Ray Bork one-on-one. I don't know if you yep. remember that thing. All right. Ray Bork. All, one Phenomenal, of the defense. Phenomenal defenseman. Phenomenal. Mario picked the puck up. Ray turned forward to get some speed. By the time he turned around, Mario was already by him. Never saw you would never you'll never see that was absolutely phenomenal and people just went wow Ray Bork just got torched like like no other and uh, but I mean in practice he would do things but he wouldn't he would only skate the half speed in practice he really but he put his stick handling his able to pass you sit there and you're like wow and then when you see him day in and day out in games some of the stuff he does is was it was crazy I mean he he his his highlight reels way better than Gretzky's highlight reels. How did Bob Johnson manage all that talent? That's a hard thing to do. Like you, you have all these guys there. They're all all stars. They're they're excellent at what they do. They know their niche. But how do you how do you coach a team like that? I mean, that's it's got to be tough because you know people are fighting for ice time, or do they have to say, look, you know, you're not going to be the guy we're going to count on for this because I, I got this guy ready. But I need you to do this. I mean, what was so that fun. like? For- so Bob was the anti-Lou Lamorello as far as <laughs> some of those things. Okay. And, and I say this like with, with great respect for both of them. Um, Bob had it all planned out. He knew exactly where he wanted you are and where he wanted to take you in his, his plan. Bob would never yell. Bob never swore. Bob never like, like say, Hey, you screwed up type thing. You know, he'd never, nothing negative ever came out of his mouth. If we won five to one, he would say, hey, some good, good things. We, we this, this power play. Hey, 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 Bob, you remember that pass you made? Perfect. That's exactly what you want. And, and he just left it at that. If we lost five to one, he would come in and say, hey, all right, it wasn't the greatest game. But look what we did here. Look at this pass. Look what we did here in this power play. And he was really, really positive. Most coaches, most guys in their head are going, like, if somebody – 
all right, he's going to explode. He's going to, he's going to blow up <laughs> the days, you know, and you're walking on eggshells, walking on eggshells. And if you watch that team, when I got there in December, uh, we were still playing really well. Mario was, Mario was out um, uh, with bad, with bad back. And Johnny Cullen was the guy that uh, really like held that team together, you know, all the way. And it was just one of those, all right, we're not playing well. He's going to explode. He's going to, something's going to happen here. We, you know, and walk on an eggshell walk. And it took us a couple months to really, to even from September till, you know, like maybe till they, they till uh, Ronnie and Alfie and Grant got there. We were kind of like, wow, he's, no, he's not going to, he's not, he's, he's not going to be mad if you make a mistake. He's not going to bench you if you make a mistake. He's not going to lambaste you in front of the guys or something. And so all of a sudden it's like that, that positive, uh, uh, was that reinforcement? Uh, yeah, but, it, it, but it was, um, subtle. It was very, very subtle. He just, just kind of like, and you, you had to get your, uh, your mind where, all right, I can make a mistake. I'm not afraid to make a mistake now. I'm just going to, you know, and, and then you're able to play and it just kind of freed you up. And, and that's what he did with these guys is like guys like Yager and stuff who, you know, couldn't speak that well. Uh, but he knew he had a back check, you know, he, he knew, you know, Brian Trache, he, you know, he's been in the league for 18 years, whatever it was. And, and he was grinding me out just like everybody else. Cause he wanted to win for Bob. Cause Bob was that, that nice of a guy that, that, that really kind of put us over the top. And, um, I, and it, it was, it was, I think he managed it that way because the guys respected him. There was no, nothing false again about Bob Johnson. Uh, he was totally sincere. Um, if you saw him outside the rink, he didn't want to talk about hockey, talk about Westerns, you know, he, you know, Hey, Clint Eastwood, yeah. see that Clint Eastwood movie, that type of thing, you know, you start talking. And then um, I tell you, it was really sad when he passed away. Uh, it, it was, it, it was devastating. It it really affected a lot of guys when he passed. So even though we only knew him for a year, we only knew, we really only knew him for a year. Joey knew him longer because he played from in Calgary. Calgary yeah. Yeah. He was the, uh, and Yuri Herdina. Remember I totally forgot about Yuri Herdina. Yuri, yeah. He brought Yuri Adina in, who was, you know, he was a captain of the Czech national team. You know, he was a hell of a hockey player. And, and that's another guy we had talented talent wise. Talk about that for a minute. Bob developed a brain tumor and he didn't come back the next year. And they brought Scotty Bowman in. Um, transition. What was that like to bring in Scotty for the next year? And, and was Bob still involved in some of the decisions or was Bob all fighting his battle? Yeah, Bob was pretty much incapacitated. So he, because um, uh, he bought, well, actually, Bob passed away. Uh, uh, when did he pass away? Um, right at the beginning of the year. Um, I remember Craig Patrick went and gave him the Stanley Cup ring early before everyone else. Actually, you know what? I think, I think he passed away in training camp. Because I think we were, we, we were, um, uh, we were like the circus. They, they, the NHL brought us all around the, we had training camp in, in Colorado. We had training camp and, you know, playing uh, exhibition games in California. Um, we, were, we were all over the place. And um, no, we were mid season. Cause we right from there. We flew out there and then went up to Calgary and we had to play Calgary and Edmonton. So we we're in the mid mid season. Jeez, I can't believe I can't remember that. But anyway, um, but he, yeah, he was nothing to do, nothing to do with uh, day to day, uh, hockey decision he was really just fighting for his his life um and then they bring scotty in who's um uh, i think that when you talk about scotty his first person the first thing people say is well scotty scotty you know that that's that's the that's that's their definition of him so scotty scotty and um but he was never around he didn't he didn't come to any practices he just showed up for games uh, the assistant coaches did all the all the all the work 
Like Pierre Maguire and those guys came Rick in. Rick Kehoe, yeah. Um, uh, Rick Patterson. Um, and uh, Barry Smith. And, um, uh, yeah, so and the only time he did come to practice was when we played Montreal or Toronto because all the media were there and he was, like, doing his, his you know, media <laughs> thing, you know, whatever it was. And, and other than that, he, did, he really didn't – he didn't have any – and even on the bench, he really didn't have any, any say. And, and quite frankly um, – we coached ourselves a lot that year because of it. And, you know, it was pretty successful. We won the cup, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like for you to win back-to-back cup? Because you had come short in college. You know, you could have won a couple of national championships, maybe in college, but you win the ultimate prize in hockey, the Stanley Cup. I mean, how was that for you? Well, you know, I, I will tell you, we won the first, we won the first one. And I, I, I honestly, God, the, the, the first people I thought of when, we, when I won it was, um, the Dale Harachucks, the Randy Carlisles, and the Thomas Steens that I played with in Winnipeg. Some of the most talented hockey players ever, all of them. And because of where they are, they don't get the notoriety and they didn't, they don't have a chance to, to win. And I was actually lucky enough. And, and I, and I, I know fullheartedly, I was in the right place at the right time at the right circumstance in the right situation. And, and it was because of a niche. I brought a niche to the team that they needed, needed physical defenseman. And, and, and they, and that was my niche there, but I know, I know I lucked out. I know I lucked out. There was many more guys, well, more deserving than me. Um, but um, it, it was very surreal. And you really didn't, it was fun. It was, it, we enjoyed it. We partied, we did all those things, but it, it really didn't kick in for a couple months later that it's like, Holy cow. Wait a minute. That, you know, and then, and then when you saw your name on the cup, when after they, after they've carved it Engrave all, in, it, yeah. Holy cow! And then you get your rings, and yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty interesting. It, it, but like I said, it didn't really kick in for a couple, couple months, and uh, but I did. I honestly, there were guys that I know that, and I, and I even thought the guys I played in college with that, that uh, the Paul Gays of the world and the Tim Armies of the world, and uh, that were way better hockey players than I was, and you know, they never got a shot to play in the NHL. And I did. Um, and I actually won something. And so I was like, I was like, wow, these guys, you know, I, I was re- really, really thankful and grateful and, and um, that I was, I was given that opportunity, but yeah, I never thought in a million years that would ever happen. Paul Coffey as a defenseman, did, how did he elevate your game when you played with him? Did he, did he do things to make you better? Um, well, he made me a better defensive defenseman. Um, once again, his, his <laughs> every, he goes, Pete, come on, jump up the ice with me. Come on, we'll go get your, we'll, we'll go get your goal. And I said, no, I'm good. I'll, I'm good. I had, a plus, I had a plus minus bonus, you know, so that's what I was concerned about. And he goes, he sat me down. He goes, Pete, there's no money in defense. <laughs> and but he goes, like, Paul, go ahead, go have your stuff. And so he was always gone and gone doing stuff. But it made me a better defensive defense because I knew I, I, I couldn't, take unnecessary chances. I had to be a little more steady where I was. Um, it made me think a little bit more of, of where I was going and what I was doing. And, um, uh, you know, and it, it, it was just a lot of fun to play with. I mean, I think it, it, it eased it because if I didn't make a mistake and they scored on us, I, I kind of in my heart, I'm going like, well, well, either Paul's going to get a goal, Mario's going to goal, or, or yeah, there's somebody going to come in right back. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so it means it a little bit more because somebody was going to make up for this somewhere along. The line. It might not have been me, but somebody's got to make up for it. So, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it, yeah, it was it was just hard. I mean, he was a hybrid. He, he was he was the, the pretty much the very first hybrid defenseman 
that you can put anywhere, you know, he, he, you can put him at wing and he would have been doing the same thing. Didn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, he was just a, it was, it was a lot of fun to play. It was, it was really difficult sometimes because uh, some guy, some teams are very um, uh, uh, control orientated. They, they, and he, if he took those chances, they were coming down three on one, you know, that <laughs> so he just had, we had to, yeah, he just got to look to see who was on the ice at the time. But one thing I found fascinating about him was he used to wear skates that were too small for his feet. Only in games. And only in games. But I remember that and thinking to myself, how the hell does he do that? And why does he do it? Well, he used to wear my, my old, my old, my second pair of skates. Cause I, I wore, and, and I don't know everybody knows, but if you were, if you're a size 10 shoe, your skates are eight and a half. I mean, it's it, just the way it is. And, and, uh, and so Paul, Paul and I had the same, same size feet, 10 and a half. And I wore an eight and a half, I wore an eight and a half skate and he wore a size six skate. So his toes were like this and a thing. And he just felt comfortable wearing them. But in practice, he wear my backup skates because it would give his feet a little, little more ease. And he skated, he skated way better in my practice skates. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, um, yeah, it was just, he just felt, he just felt wanted to be snug on that uh, with his feet and not have it move around. And, uh, I mean, my skates were relatively small. I mean, I mean, at the end, I mean, my feet were like this too. I mean, most people are like that with their, their toes uh, and my, mine were curled up like this, but I, I could not imagine what he had, what he went through. But, yeah. When you were out there with them on the ice, how did they see the game? Those guys like Mario and Yager and Francis, I mean, did they see it at a different level? Would they come back to the bench and say to you guys, hey, I'm seeing this. You know, the Rangers are doing this. The Bruins are doing this. The Flyers are doing this. Would they come back almost like as a second coach? On um, the ice? Yeah, yes and no. Um, it, it, it was not – it was mostly on the ice. You know, after, like, right, getting ready for a face-off. He sees, they, they see who is out there, and they say, all right, we can, we can exploit this guy. I mean, especially we had the last change. You know, hey, we, we can exploit this guy. We're going to be, you know, doing this thing. And, and, and remember I told you a story about Mario – never winning a face off in the dude's zone, but so we're in the offensive end and, and I'm playing the left point and he sees who he's going to line up against. And he turns to me and he comes up and he taps his stick. He goes, put your stick right here. And, and he just kind of like tapped on the ice. Put your like, so I'm, I'm going to be to the right of it a little bit. Uh, and I was like, and so where I was angled behind him, I'm like, there's no way he's going to get it where he wants it to. So instead of standing where I was, he told me to, I moved like two feet to the left. And so when the puck came right back to me and I had to get in on the back end, <laughs> he just, <laughs> so he took the shot and, uh, you know, I got it and it took the shot and the goalie saved it. And he comes up and he goes, where the hell did you go? <laughs> I told you to stand right there. And I said, yeah, I didn't think you could do that. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he kind of just shook his head. It's oh, shit. Yeah. No, he just, yeah he just, it was just funny stuff like that. that, that but they, they would always, you know, Trotz was really good at it. You know, hey, listen, I, I played playing against this guy for many, many years. You know, like, Fort will do this to him, whatever it is. And uh, But, yeah, it, it was it was mostly your your – innate ability to see things and adjust to the situation at that time. And if you knew Mario was going someplace that you just have to get in the opening somewhere and he's going to find you, whether, whether he gets it on the forehand or backhand, whatever it is, he's going to get the puck to you. And so you just had to find your space on the ice and just let them do their stuff. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're all like that. Him, uh, Ronnie, uh, Yager was a little bit different because he would, and Mario would make one, one or two moves to get by somebody. Yarger will 
try to he, we went through with four or five guys and so you really had no idea where he was going but you kind of had <laughs> to where mario and those guys were but um, but it, it, it's uh, it was different but it was easy like i said you just throw a pat you just throw a pass to him it could be three feet off the ground he's going to knock it down with a stick and away you go so coaches give them a lot of rope yeah yeah and yeah. just said hey i know these guys are elite you know, there's no way to really coach these guys in a system. They're going to do something I've never seen before. I mean, that must have been amazing for – must have made it easy to coach at times. Yeah, it, it's easy to coach, and it's hard to coach, too, because now you've got all this talent. Now how you get them all on the ice, you know, to, to play. But the one thing, if you watch the regular, any regular season, there's a lot of freewheeling. There's a lot of kind of no, – not sloppy play, but once you get into a game where it's a tight game or, or something, something clicks in everybody's head, and especially those guys. All of a sudden, the little things that they, you know, you know, you're playing, you know, uh, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, you're going to play a certain way. All of a sudden, you're playing the Rangers or the Islanders or the Capitals or the Devils, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, that that thing clicks and they start their game condenses and play. They play a really, really smart game, and, but then they also have the ability to explode and do what they want, you know. But they they knew their time. They they knew the time on the clock. They knew all that kind of stuff and, and how big the game was. You know, game 50, not that big of a deal. Game 72, you're fighting for – now all of a sudden, they, they start playing a whole different way. So, yeah, they, they knew it. They just they went along accordingly. When did you know it was time to retire? Got hurt. Got hurt. Yeah. And I was literally, uh, you know, standing – I was against the boards, and a guy was about four feet away from me, and he just came in and just kind of hit me against the boards, nothing, and all of a sudden, my hip just popped, and that was the end of it. That was segment four with Peter Taglianetti of the Pittsburgh Penguins here on Inside the Game, brought to you by FlexCoach and FlexCoach VR. Inside the Game, brought to you by FlexCoach and FlexCoach VR. 